All right, guys, here's another episode of the Daily CDs. I'd like to take this time to thank all the people who've joined my Patreon. I really appreciate that. And then also the guys who have joined the, my membership on my YouTube channel. Uh, all that really helps a lot. And also to uh, Value Pack, dog food. You know, I fed Value Pack before. I really thought it was good dog food. The hounds did really good on it. And uh, I'll be feeding it again here soon. Uh, I think it's really important that we support the companies that support what we do. Also to W Supply. Uh, they provide this platform for us to share our content. And uh, I want to thank them for that. Anyway, here's that episode. Enjoy. Well, here's about what I call uh, game on a limb. Now, a lot, of, a lot of these people that's got lots of money to get a trophy, they don't want to go out and go through the hard chips of getting it. Well, and any honest guide frowns on a guaranteed hunt because you don't always get what you go after. And if you're going to, these guys that are great on the guarantees are the, are the crooked guys. The honest ones don't want to do that. <clears throat> but here's the way that we have done quite a different number of times is to get the line treed, then leave somebody with the hounds and you go to the nearest telephone or something and phone somebody and they know. And they know that it's up a tree when you telephone them and come to you and then you take them to the tree. Well, this time there was, we was in the, in those Catalina Mountains. That's right there by Tucson. And this fellow, Rusty Gibbons, had uh, killed a lion, so his wife wanted one. So we, had phoned them and knew that they'd be around home when we went out that morning. So we start. we <clears throat> had our saddle animals in a doggone, a big wire corral. It was made of bob wire. I think it was five, five strands. And inside of this was a pretty good sized tree. Well, I think we took a horse and we had four animals there. So there was three of us went. So we took two of the mules and the horse and we left old Molly there. Well, old, I knew that she wouldn't, this is a big mare mule and she was a big mule, but a good mountain mule, not too big for the mountains. I imagine she'd weigh around 1100. I never did wear. That was just my, more or less my guess. But she was pretty tall. And I knew she'd get out of that wire trap some way or another. So I took and put a halter on her and tied her to this tree. And I tied her with a good rope. And we pulled out that morning with the pack of hounds. Well, of course, she was uh, falling around and jumping around when we left. Well, we'd got on down this ridge on this government trail, I imagine two or three miles just before we hit a pretty good saddle iron there in the, on that ridge where it was a pretty good fast way for lines. And we heard the rocks 
crack in behind us and look back and here come old Molly. Well, she just had been in on many and many a hunt. She just followed along. She did, didn't want to stay by herself. And when mules are used to staying with one another or with some horses, well, now they want them, that they want company and they'll follow. So she didn't bother anything, didn't try to bother the dogs or nothing. And when we'd get down and go through a gate, well, she'd come up and come right on through, just like somebody riding or leading her. So when we hit that saddle, well, we never found anything that looked very fresh. So we decided we'd drop down a canyon there and make a circle back around in the road that went up to Mount Lemon on that backside of the mountain. There wasn't the main road, but it'd come out to the top. To Mount Lemon there, there was kind of a, a summer resort for Tucson. It was pretty high altitude and lots cooler than down there in Tucson where it was a lot lower and so hot. So we got down there pretty close to no mine and not too far from this, from this road that came up from the backside and picked up a good fresh line track. I mean, that track was fresh. And those dogs didn't trail him far till they jumped him and treated him. And they he was in hearing distance of that of that road. Well, it took me, I left two boys there that was with me, and I, I took one of their animals over, and old Molly would come in handy, because I caught old Molly, and I could take her. So I took her and one of their animals over and tied them on the highway. Well, it took me quite a little while to get back up there to, to the telephone. I telephoned this fellow and he was at home. And I told him and his wife to come across the top of the mountain and told them right where to meet me. It, right where the road turned off this old mine. And that I'd be awaiting there farm and that I would have two saddle animals. <clears throat> and so I just went out and got back on my saddle animal and went back down there just fast as I could, which is about three miles. Well, well, I wasn't there but just a few minutes and I saw this automobile coming in here. They were really coming off of that mountain. And they come down there and stopped, and I said, "Well, get out and get on your, get on these animals." And as they got out, they listened. They said, "What? What's those dogs barking?" I said, "Well, I told you we had a lion treat. They're barking to the lion." They said, "Well, by golly, that's lucky." So we went on over, and, and this woman got her lion, and we. Packed it on back to the road where they could take their trophy and beat it to Tucson. Then let a taxidermist skin it and take care of the, of the, of the hide and the mountain of the lion and all. And, uh, so Molly had kind of come in handy after getting out and following us. So we called it Molly Goes Lion Hunting and Lion on a Limb. And uh, we have done that quite a few different times when people didn't want to go and didn't want to put out the effort or maybe they something wrong and they couldn't. is to tree something and leave somebody with the tree and then 
somebody else go after the after the clients to kill the, the animal. Well, this is uh, about another hunt that we had in Venezuela. It uh, is a little exciting. This has only been two. We'd only been hunting two or three days. With this, this was their second party, and we'd got to trailing in there, and we never jumped the old jaguar. But the dogs found three cubs, and they got a hold of one of them and killed it, and then they hurt the other one, and we got the other one without being hurt at all. And they were all they were small, just could run around, and so we took them back to camp, and it was real hot. We, I think, skinned out the little two hides of the ones that was dead, and we kept this other one around camp and feed him and he'd eat and run all around there. And uh, so early the next morning, then we went over right back to where we found these little kittens, and this the old mother had been back after them. And she had just literally made tracks all over that country. And the dogs, they trailed in the trail in the trail. And the dogs got split up on different tracks. And all the tracks was about the same uh, freshness, and they could smell her everywhere. And so we had got in the jungle there. And let's see, there was uh, Ray Watson, I believe, and that bill from... Bill Wakefield from Bill's Place, Pennsylvania, and Ray Watson from Leveland, Texas, was in there with me. All four of them was over there. And the other two was with Clell, and there's a couple of natives around there with us. Well, we finally got quite a ways back in there, and uh, it was uh, getting pretty well up in the day, and it was uh, getting hot. So we got down there right in the jungle. And in a little old sand wash, and the sand was wet and good and wet and kind of a little cool in there. So we just sat down and just stretched her legs out in front of us and uh, was leaning, kind of leaning back and uh, listening to the hound's trail. And now a minute I heard something running and I looked around and a jaguar hit that canyon just about a jump or two from us. And jumped, come down, and I had started trying to get up, and he jumped right over her legs, and I throwed my rifle over and hit this old female on the back as she went over our legs. And one of these old, we, we jumped up right quick then, and one of these guys says, well, boy, says, I might not get one. But he said, I'll tell you, I was close to one. And here that some of the dogs come, they scattered around there, and here some of them come right after it. Then they got together and they they run it quite a little ways, and bait it and got up there. And one of these fellows got his trophy right there, and uh, boy tore up some of her dogs when it, it bait on the ground. It didn't tree, and uh, we had to this little. Black and tan female that it tore up so uh, she she just barely couldn't uh, believe that Clell carried her part of the time. Uh, getting back to this old power wagon that we'd come over there in. And when we got back to camp, 
we were lucky because we had that doctor in camp with us, Dr. Brody McDade. So two different dogs from that race. We put them up on the table there. And uh, by golly, he sewed them up. And that make them so they did well a lot faster and they could hunt a lot quicker. But that was really ex- <laughs> We didn't have time to get excited because I never will forget that. Well, I just looked around and it was already there. And over our legs it went. And boy, I just kind of throwed my gun over and hit it on the back as it went by. And I guess that gave it a good start. But here come those hounds. I think there was, oh, I think we had five or six hounds. And it was one of them quite a ways ahead of the other. And here come two more. And then they all got cooked game. They was all our fairly close. And they got got in the race, but that little female that it hurt, she was a real hound. Well now, this this, this happened in the White Mountains of Arizona, I was in, and it was in the summertime, I think it was in June, when it was pretty hot. Well, I'd been exercising the dogs around there, and that morning, well, I didn't go out. And let's see, it was uh, about 9.30. Here rolled this old road truck into camp. They was really going. And they got out, and I knew these two fellows well. And they said, say, down yonder, there's a big male line run across the road. And we seen him at 8 o'clock. We looked at our watch. And I said, do you fellas know that that was a line for sure? They said, well, for God's sake, we have seen lines and we have been right up at them and we know what a line looks like and we were right at this line. And so we want, if you want to go down there and try to catch him, well, one of us will go back down there and show you right exactly where he crossed that highway. And the other one will stop down here and go to work. But we can't stay down there because when we show you that track, we got to get back and get to work. And I said, well, it'll take me a little while to get ready. I said, uh, I've got my, I've got to hook up to that horse trailer and run down there in the, in the meadow and get me a saddle animal. They, they, they said, well, we haven't got time for you to fool around and go get a saddle animal and hook up to a trailer and load your dogs and all of that. Said, now you just load your dogs in the pickup that you want to take, and by golly, go afoot. Says, that line shouldn't be any distance. I said, yeah, you guys are trying to get me into a doggone big, long, hard walk. Oh, that line won't be far. And I said, all right, then I'll, I'll if that's the only way I can get a run at him, well, I'll do that because they're paying a big bounty down there. And uh, and it was quite a long distance, way back down the highway and in lots of lower country that I was camped in. So away we went, and one fellow got out, and the other one went with us. And we got down there, and there was this highway of going around the side of this ridge and kind of going down there. 
Well, the, the, here was a, a fellow there, and he had a boy about 12 years old, and uh, hearing all this. And they run over to me, and, and this man did, and said, how about us going with you? I said, well, now listen, we'll be afoot, and I don't think that boy can keep up. He said, well, he said, I'll stay with him. If we can't keep up, you just go on, don't pay any attention to us. And uh, I said, well, as far as I'm concerned, I don't care. So when I run, jumped in the pickup after I loaded, I think I loaded nine hounds and I loaded one pup. Well, away we went. Well, we went down there just as fast as we could. Well, we got there just at 11 o'clock. It's all downhill from where we from the camp down there. And uh, cause I looked at my watch, it's just 11 o'clock and that old boy stopped the truck and I run up and parked the pickup right on the side of the road a ways. And he said, well, come here and I'll show you right where that line crossed. And it was real hard ground there and rocky and you couldn't see a track at all. So he said he jumped up the highway right here and they'd marked it. And said he went right on up. About 50, 75 yards from there, there's a little pinyon tree sitting there. And he says he crossed, he went in under that tree and right up towards the top of that little ridge right there. And he just run, got back in his truck and turned around and pulled out. So I went to the pickup and loaded, took out two of the best coal trailers that I had. And to start them on the track. So I let them fool around there for quite a while before I ever tried to show them that track and clean out and all that. So then I took these two hounds down there, and one of them was an old dog that was halfway the between the color of a blue tick and a red tick, a speckled dog. And he was a, a fairly old hound. And he was a cold trailing dog. He was twelve. We called him Thunder. And then had this little black and tan female that was half blue tick and half black and tan. And she was a black and tan color. And she was good on a cold trail. So I took him down there and tried to put him on that track right where he jumped up the bank. And now, feature, that was only a three-hour-old track. And they couldn't even smell that enough there to bark on it. They couldn't smell it at all. So I just kept a fooling with them and finally walked on up the hill to that where the, he, he said he went under that, walked under that little old pinyon tree. So I called them there and I showed them the track and they both went to smelling and they could smell it just a whiff there. And they, but they didn't smell it enough to open on it. So I just went back to the pickup and took out the rest of the dogs. And I thought that was too hard to track. I knew that pup couldn't smell it. And I thought maybe he might run off after a deer and uh, and get away from me and me afoot. Well, he might have horseback too. So, so I just left him tied. And took the others and I went on up. Well, I went on up to this, to the top of this ridge. And it was uh, just far as pinyon trees are, which was out of the pine country. 
right in there. There wasn't any pines of any size, as I remember. Maybe a sparse pine here and there, but not right there there wasn't. So it was kind of rocky going down this ridge and into a little saddle and then up a mountain. So along on that ridge in those rocks, they picked it up and they could smell it. But it was really hard for them to trade it. Well, they trailed down and they crossed that saddle. And by that time, it was getting hot. About 200 yards from there, there was a tank of water. So I just took them off and went down and watered them out. Come back and put them right on that track, and they went right up. And now in a minute, well, they went to picking it up lots better and picking up speed. And they turned right to the to the right. Just in a, just right to the right, right sharp. And I then didn't know what had happened. And they trailed around and then came right pretty close to the highway and across a kind of a little rim right up above the highway. And when they got to the, to the end of that rim, they turned right off the hill and crossed that highway and right on down the hill. And then they circled back and here they come and, and trail right up pretty good, right to where these fellows had, uh, had seen that line cross the highway. And I said, oh, oh, I know what happened. That line had just looped his tracks. So I went, got the dogs, and took them back to that water and watered them for quite a while. And uh, watered them out and let them get in the shade and cool off some there. Well, instead of going back then and putting them right on the track where, I'd, where they had t turned around the mountain when they picked up speed, I cut in above there a quarter of half a mile up the hillside and pretty back pretty back towards uh, pretty high up on that mountain and they picked her up and they went the right way and they, they strung out well that thing had went a long ways and uh, they just kept a trailing it at a good speed and it I finally run off and left that pulling his boy and I imagine in about an hour while they jumped that thing and he didn't run any distance. After they jumped him, he probably didn't run over a quarter of a mile and they treed him. So I got over to the dogs when they treed and was wanting that boy and that and his daddy to see that line. So I waited there a while and then I hollered. And they finally answered me way back up there, and I told them, I said, well, these hounds are treed, and I'm right here uh, under this line, and he's up a tree. They said, well, for goodness sakes, if you can, wait for us. We'd sure love to see it. So they came on down there then, and we waited there a while, and the dog's bark treed was a barking treed real good, and this fellow says, you know, said, I've never killed a lion. And I said, well, did you want to kill this one? He said, I'd sure love to. Then I'd have something to talk about. I said, all right, as far as I'm concerned, you can kill it. So he took my rifle and he killed the lion. And I said, all right, you kill the lion. Now you get down here and help me skin that thing because we sure can't take him back. And he said, all right. So we sat down there and skinned it just as fast as we could. And we, and that was 
pretty late in the afternoon when we got all that done and we hadn't had anything to eat either. So just as soon as we got him skinned, well, this fellow and I would take turn about uh, carrying the hide and we started back to the truck. And when we walked into that truck, well, it was somewhere around a half an hour or to an hour after dark. But it's good and dark when we finally got back to that truck. And we loaded everything up and went back to camp. And, of course, by the time we got back to camp, I got my dogs all put away and fed and all and got me something to eat. Well, it was way late in the night. And I said, the next guy that comes along and talks me out of taking any uh, saddle animal or anything when I'm going to go to catch a lion, well, I'm going to tell him to go jump in the lake. But now I can tell you the reason that they couldn't trail that line is good right there, right there where he'd cross the highway as they did on up there when they went around, trailed back down and came in to where and crossed the highway again and then come up to where them guys had seen him. I said, now that line was kind of scared and it, I know that at times when animals are scared, they can they can uh, control their scent to, to a pretty good degree. They can hold it and quit putting out the scent that they would ordinarily when they're just traveling along. Now, I've been trailing lines and been right with my dogs. When, I, when, this, uh, when a lion would locate a deer and was going to try to stalk it and jump on it, and when they are do, and when they do that, your track just practically from uh, ends right there because now they are controlling their scent when they're uh, the stalking game, and they usually don't stalk them for a long distance because they're usually within a I'd say a hundred yards or less of a deer when they really get see it, or and maybe a little farther maybe 150 yards, and you can usually find where that they've either caught the deer or the deer has got away, and then they're, they're since normal, and you can go on after them. Well, now, this is a lion hunt that took place in the Cherokee when we lived at Paradise. That was many years ago. Now, this neighbor boy and I, Elmer Franklin, had done, uh, took a camp and, and moved to the top of uh, the mountain up there and camped at an old log cabin that was in a little park, and they called it Barfoot Park. And as we went up, we found a deer there that was diseased. Something was wrong with it, and, and it was down, and it couldn't get up. So we didn't want our dogs fooling around it or anything. So we just rode on, just left it there, because we knew it was going to die, but we didn't want to get down and kill it or anything, and our dogs there, and uh, the dogs went up and smelled of it, and we just made them leave it alone. They didn't even bark at it or nothing, and it, it could move its head around and all, but it couldn't get up, and it looked like it was just poor as a snake, and we just rode on. Well, in the next day or so or something, we were hunting and come down by there and that deer had been eaten on by a lion. 
and the dogs could trail it. This was a good big female line. And we trailed it a ways, and, uh, and they're trailing it pretty good, and they hit this road. Well, when they hit this road, that killed the track. And we finally got to fooling around, and, and it was pretty rocky there, but just where the cars had run, there's just a little bit of dust. And so this old boy got down and was looking, on, crawling along on his hands and knees at that track. And the dogs is all around tr- looking in the casting and trying to find that track. And I saw a car coming, so I run back up the road a little ways and stopped this car up there ways. And uh, it, I noticed, I've forgotten now what state, but it's now the state car. And I said, I wish you folks would wait here for a minute if you're not in too big a hurry. And they said, well, why? What's wrong? And then finally one of them, it was a man, I guess, and his wife, and one of them says, what's the matter with that fellow down there? Well, you know, I couldn't think of a good answer to give them. If I'd have told them that he was trailing a line, they'd, they would have thought I was crazy. So I said, I'm, he's having some kind of a little old fit, but I don't think it amounts to anything. They said, well, you, do you reckon that he's bad off? I said, no, I don't. I said, I think he'll be all right in a while. And they said, well, we don't mind waiting here a little bit. And after a while, well, that, he kind of got up, kind of staggered around a little, and then motioned with his head to me the way the line had went. And I knew pretty well what was taking place, so I told him, I said, well, now, y'all can go on, but I wish you'd go slow here for a ways and not be sure and not run over one of our hounds. They said, oh, no, says we will. And it was, they was going down a pretty good hill. And so they went slowly, got through the hounds and all, and then they went on. We run back and got on our saddle animals. And, and this boy had found where this line had walked off the side of the road. And we called our dogs and put them on the tracks where it got down. And now this was up in the mountains where it hit off of the road and we put them on it. And they picked her right up. And after about four or five hours, where well, they, and a long ways from there, where well, they jumped that line. And that line put up quite a race. I'll bet that that line run a mile and a half before it treed. But they treated way over there in a canyon that we called Hoose Canyon. And that was a long ways from where we had started it that morning. And so it took us till after dark to get back to our camp at the old log cabin in Barfoot Park, which is certainly a beautiful place. Well, now, this is a, about an incident that happened up in the White Mountains of Arizona, right on the top of a mountain, which is the altitude is high. Now, there was a, 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 a lodge there owned by, uh, Yes, Bert. And he there for quite a few years, had a good pack of dogs. And he run also run bearing line and he took out clients for bearing line. Well, uh, it's not over a mile and a half from there was an old fellow by the name of, uh, of Josh. And he, he had a ranch there and was running cattle. And one morning or one night, 
he heard two lions up there, and they were right close to the road, a fight. And so he went up there the next morning looking around, and he found one of these lions, and it was a pretty fairly good-sized male lion. And it was killed and partly eaten and covered up by, uh, by another lion. So he just went out and just burked as fast as he could, and he told Jess Burke about it. And Jess Burke was at home. So old Jess just saddled up a, a, a horse and turned loose a pack of hounds and back up there he come. And that was fairly early in the morning. And he picked up that lion's tracks that had left where he'd killed this one and eaten a part of him. And in about Two or three hours, well, he finally trailed that line up and caught him. And now he was a, a quite a lot bigger male than the one he had killed. And uh, when he caught this line, well, he was scratched up considerable and showed his battle when he killed that one. So he just gutted him and looked in him, and all that was in him, in that line's belly, was, was this other line, and he was pretty full. But how come him to have to trade him so far from that kill? Well, he went quite a ways to, I guess, some favorite bluffs that he had that where he wanted to lay up. And so he traveled that far. And he was pretty full, which a lot of the time they don't travel, but just a very short distance before they'll lay up. And another incident was we were in the San Mateo Mountains of New Mexico on a lion hunt. And this famous brain surgeon Rupert Rainey that was with us was on this hunt and he had another fellow by the name of can't remember this other fellow's name for sure but he was the brother of quite a movie actress but I can't remember his name anyway he was a real bald headed fellow this friend of Rupert Rainey that was with him and we was a going to rope and and tie up a big line if we could catch one and uh, this Rupert Rainey wanted to take pictures of it and so we have this movie and it's a pretty good movie of roping and tying this line but anyway well, when we started out this morning there's an old boy there working for the fire service and he wanted to go with us and had a saddle animal so we let him go so that was Clell Nye, and then we had Barty Henderson, a rancher there that had hunted with us before, and sometimes he furnished us horses, and he was with us. So, well, let's see, that would be Rupert Rainey and his partner, and Clell and Barty Henderson and I, so that'd be five of us. And we went back there and picked up the tracks of this big male lion, and he was a big lion. So, we trailed him for quite a ways, and we kind of tra trailed him just down a small canyon, and the ridges, the ridges wasn't steep on each side of the canyon, and the dogs got in there, and they kind of made a lose. And we got down there right close to them, and seen them run over there and smell, and looked over there, and they were smelling it a, a dead line. And we went over and looked at that line, and we knew that it hadn't been dead too long. And the way it was laying on its side there, it looked like that uh, 
that he just laid down and died. We got out and was examining it, and his head is all tore up, and we turned it over, and it had a big part of the other side eaten. And it was definitely killed by a lion. And there was the remains of a deer kill, and just little bitty pieces around there and just a few bones. And we found the parts of this deer and these bones, and uh, the dogs then lined this old male's tracks out, and away they, and uh, away they went. Well, in about an hour, they jumped him and treated him. And uh, the tree was easy to climb, but it was high, limbed right to the bottom of it. And this old Forest Service boy said, well, I never did go up a tree and put a rope on line. Would you guys let me climb that tree? And we told him, just, well, we've been up trees and put ropes on them. If you want to climb that tree, well, you just go right ahead. So he took off his boot, boots or shoes or whatever he had on, so he'd be in his soft feet. So the way we done it, while well, we got him his stick to put on a, and a fork on it to ease the rope over the lion's head and started him up the tree while we knew that that one rope would no way near reach that line. So we tied another right rope to the end of this one. And that was and it was seven, and that would make seventy feet, uh, sixty feet of rope. And then we tied another rope on the end of that other one, another thirty foot rope. Well, he wasn't up that high, but that when that old boy went to getting up close to the close to that line, that line just kept climbing higher and higher, and he went right through the top of that tree. And when he did. Well, we could tell by the length of those ropes about how high that line was, and he was uh, about 70 feet from the ground. And that old boy went on up, and it took him quite a while, but finally he said, well, I've got the rope on him. And so he just throwed that stick that he had with the fork on it, he just throwed it out, and down the tree he come. So we then grabbed all of our dogs, the line had the rope on, and tied them back. And when that old boy hit the ground, well, old uh, Quail Nine Barty grabbed that rope. Well, we didn't try to hang him over a limb or nothing to bring him down. We just jerked him right out. And he just broke those limbs as he come down. And when he hit, now he just jerked right straight out, 70 feet up. And he jumped up and got kind of hit on his front feet and kind of his face. And he just jumped up off, off that hill he went and I just sit down on him like a calf. And old Clay and Barty run around behind him and I went to easing up, getting closer to him all the time. And they got him by the, one of them got him by the tail and they, Flipped him over, and I just held the rope to not choke him too much and to keep him from getting a hold of them. And they tied him there in just a little bit. And so then we took and went down there, and we had pack bags with us to put, put a line in. So we put him on that old wimpy mule, and we packed him on down. 
and we come out by that lion that had been killed. So we just picked her up and took her with us and took her on in the camp. And we had a cage already built for this lion because that's what that Rupert Rainey wanted. And so <clears throat> when we put this lion in the cage and uh, now we went and got him in the pickup, turned him loose in the back of the pickup first and then hauled him on in and then we put him in the cage and took him out of the pickup. We just hauled him in the dog compartment right under. But we had her nailed down to where he couldn't get out. And then we put a rope on him in that pickup and pulled him out and pulled him in the cage. Well, then uh, we skinned that line. And we, the hide was ruined, so we just kept the cape and the head of this female that could be mounted all right. And then we finished skinning the rest of her, and the hide was no good. And so after about, well, I think the third night, we put some of this meat of this female lion in this cage with this old male, and he ate it. But I'm positive in my mind, I don't think that this old male is the one that killed her. Now, there was the tracks of another female liar that had at least two cubs. And the, the cubs weren't too big. And I think that these two females fought. And I think that one female killed the other one. And then her and those kittens ate on her after they'd killed her. After the whole female had killed her. Because this was a grown female. But she was really, she was really worked over. And she had a, two holes right in her skull made by that. Blind's teeth that killed her. And I think it is the other female that done it. Well, now that is the same line that we took back to Virginia when we went back making those lectures and had this big line in the back of a, 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 a of a trailer that was, uh, had real heavy wire. And where you'd go along and people could see it in that trailer. Then we had a, 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 a Buick car and, uh, Blail's family was with him, his wife and little girl. And, uh, uh, Blail and I had, had our eight hounds in a pickup. And we went from, from, uh, from back and off and on, we stopped and made lectures and showed this line and our hounds and plumb back to Middleburg, Virginia on that trip. And that was quite a trip. That was the first lecturing that I'd ever done. Well, I was a better talker than trail, so I'd done most of the lecturing and most of the talking. And so he was pretty good on a guitar, and he knew quite a lot of cowboy songs. So after this show was over, well, he'd pick up his guitar and he would strum it and sing him about three cowboy songs. And by golly, that, that went over because 
Here, here's the, the deal. We only got 45 cents out of every dollar that we made because our sponsors and the theaters charged us that to, to show in those big theaters. And then sometimes they'd sponsor us and take a big, uh, get in a, a car or pick up with a big loudspeaker on it and drive all over town when they wouldn't have time to advertise it. And maybe they'd do that for two or three hours and cover this town, uh, telling about what they was going to show that night. Well, we had to give them 55 cents out of every dollar that we made. And uh, so, but that was quite a deal. But let me tell you, when I first started doing that, that was the hardest work that I had ever done. I would be tired after it would take about two hours for all this to take place. And let me tell you, we held up people's attentions too. They wasn't getting up and running all around in the theater or there wasn't half of them leaving and all that. They were sitting there because they were enthused. Well, now, after the shows, when we would be... Uh, now, see, we'd take our dogs right up and put them right on, the, right on the stage in these big theaters with the theater uh, just packed with a, some of them standing up and everybody in it, somebody in every seat. And so then we'd be uh, loading our dogs and uh, loading their stuff. And we also had some uh, mounted Jaguar hide with us and, and uh, I think three lines in a bar hide, all mounted into rugs with their head on. But it was kind of comical. Our one, at one theater, we went out into the audience and we picked out, I think we had eight hounds. Eight husky-looking old boys, so we went out and got our hounds and had a boy holding each hound and brought them right into that theater and took them right up on the stage and lined them up. And so I told them, I said, folks, I'll show you what a pack of hounds sounds like when they see a, a, a lion or a bear or a jaguar or something that they're supposed to run. So we'd already put all of our... Uh, took our hides away from, we had them spread out up there and showed over. So I got one of these hides and just slipped up and stuck, it was a lion hide, and stuck it over the, up over the edge of, of that uh, platform there, that theater that they is up on. And boy, what I mean, them old hounds just raised their heads and they bawled and bellowed and they just made that theater ring. And one of them jerked one of these old boys down and jumped over there and drug him over there and grabbed that line hide. And I had quite a time getting him loose. I thought he was going to tire up for hide before I could get him loose. And uh, got him loose. And then I got out of there with that hide. And we got back and, and got our dogs back loaded back up in their pickup. And we would have a terrible time of doing anything. Because people would be just crowded around us, asking uh, asking us this question and that question about this and about that, and you could tell they were really interested, or there wouldn't have been a crowding around you, or trying to keep you from doing anything. When we'd be tired, and wanting to get back and get a little sleep, and uh, they'd be 
still when we drive off, there'll still be a big crowd standing there.